0: Welcome to episode eleven of the Pilots Journey Podcast, where we discuss aviation proficiency and enjoying the journey. My name is Stuart Stevenson,
1: aka Pilot Stu, a private pilot in North Dallas, and my name is Stuart Stoles, aka CFI Stu, a flight instructor out of the Fort Worth area.
0: This episode, our guest is PJ Gustason. He is a private pilot near Houston and also a volunteer at the nineteen forty Air Terminal. Welcome, PJ.
2: Hey, thank you very much, Stu. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Doing really well. Can, why don't
0: you tell us, uh, first off, how you got into flying and kind of what your background is?
2: So, uh, I um, started my training in early 2006 and quickly ran out of money, which can happen. Uh, and then uh, in 2007, uh, I resumed my training and uh, wound up getting my license in August of 2007. Um, so, I've been a pilot now for a couple of years. Where did you do the primary bulk of your training? Uh, the bulk of my training was done at Sugarland Land Airport um, here in the Houston area. It's uh, this great little airport. It's an 8,000-foot runway. Uh, it's big enough to land a 737 on. But uh, it's it's towered airport, but it's, it's slow enough traffic that, I mean, there really was no delay getting out of the airport any time.
0: Oh, that's good. A little easier yeah. than training at Hobby, I suppose.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I actually started my training at Hooks Airport on the north side of town, and uh, that one was quite a bit busier. It's a towered airport. It's got about three or four flight schools on it, plus a lot of uh, business jet traffic and private traffic. So uh, that one, I was spent almost half my lesson time waiting to get to or 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 from the runways uh, for my lessons. So that that's kind of how I helped burn away some of the money pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, as the dollars flow out the Hobbs meter.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one of the most scary instrument failures as a student is a runaway Hobbes meter <laughs>
0: <laughs> Can't just pull the breaker on that one <laughs> I wish <laughs> Well, tell us about the, the 1940 Air Terminal it, uh, it looks like a really cool museum
2: Yeah, it's a great place uh, it's, um, the, the building itself was Houston's original Air Terminal building um, you know, little Christmas version of the history of Hobby Airport uh, it was started out in the early nineteen twenties, I believe, as uh, or nineteen teens, as WT Carter Field it was owned by a, a gentleman out there. Um, around uh, nineteen late nineteen twenties, the city of Houston decided they need to purchase uh, and have their own official airport, and uh, they built it. They purchased it and named it Houston Municipal Airport. And this uh, terminal building was built in nineteen forty, was when it first opened up. Um, it was designed in the Art Deco style. It was designed by uh, noted architect. Uh, Joseph Finger, who also uh, did a bunch of buildings around Houston and uh, most notably the city hall as well. Um, it was basically designed as a grand gateway to Houston because uh, the people who flew back then were the cream of the crop. They were uh, with the wealthy businessmen and, and oil uh, owners and uh, lots of actors, movie stars, uh, the sports figures of the day. Those were the ones that could afford to fly. And so to bring, welcome them to our city, we needed to have a grand gateway uh, to really impress them as they came in. So that's what this, uh, this building was, was meant to be. It was used as the active terminal until 1954 when uh, it was quickly outgrown. It was, it was basically outdated by the time it opened. It um, started from having two flights a day in uh, 1940 to quickly having the, the ramp just stacked up with airplanes uh, waiting to come in and out. So then uh, it was in 1954, the, the current terminal building at Hobby Airport was opened in a much different configuration than it is today, but that's when all the airline operations moved across the field. Uh, the building itself was used as airport offices and a control tower until the 60s and, and as late as the late 70s. Um, then it laid derelict for about 25 years until our organization, the Houston Aeronautical Heritage Society, uh, took possession of it and um, started the restoration and turning it into what's now the 1940 Air Museum. Did you get involved with the museum before
0: or after you started flight training?
2: Uh, I got involved with the museum before I actually uh, actively started my flight training. Uh, I started with the museum sometime around the 2005 to 2006 time frame. I actually uh, saw an ad in one of the weekly AOPA emails for an event going on at the museum called Wings and Wheels, which is a monthly open house they do and um that was uh I, I decided that sounded like a good time, so I went down there and saw it in kind of' it's a grassroots phase and and so it is it looks like a great organization to get involved with, lots of airplanes, lots of airplane people, a good networking opportunity and uh so i got involved i got a volunteer and got involved, and still there today
0: something else that's addictive,
2: apparently, yeah. Uh, very much is. Uh, you know, as I started volunteering there more and more, my, my role there kind of grew, and um, now I, I, I do a variety of things there. Uh, I started out just as a regular volunteer, and then I, uh, sometime in 2006-ish, or so-ish, they, um, they had a volunteer meeting when they said that the job of Wings and Wheels coordinator was uh, uh, was available, and I asked a question about it, and all of a sudden, before I knew it, I was the Wings and Wheels coordinator. <laughs> That'll teach you. <laughs> Yeah, it tends to happen in volunteer organizations, I guess, but uh, that's been my primary role since then, and um, I've expanded that into doing some of the marketing for the museum events and the museum itself. Um, I I handle the Facebook page and the Twitter feeds, plus I also post our events on all the different uh, flying calendars. And then I also uh, handle a lot of the uh, booking, and, and I manage the appearances for the raffle airplane.
0: Well, speaking of the raffle airplane, that—that's something that first got my attention is that every year you raffle an aircraft off, and I think it's what fifty dollars a ticket.
2: Yes, that is correct. Uh, we sell them for fifty dollars a ticket, and we sell no more than twenty five hundred, so it's really good odds, uh, especially when you compare it to things like the lottery. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, the odds are pretty good, um, and we give it away uh, in that the July Wings and Wheels each year, unless we sell it all twenty five hundred tickets beforehand. And so, the last couple of years, we've sold less than 2,500, and, um, and and so the odds have been even better. But uh, this is our third uh, airplane they're giving away now. And this year, what is the aircraft? The aircraft this year is a beautifully restored 1958 Cessna 175. Uh, a lot of people confuse that with the 170, which is the tail-dragger version of the 172. Uh, the 175 is a nose-wheel airplane, um, but... It's basically identical to the 172 of the same period, except it's got a gearbox on the engine uh, that lets the engine turn at a faster RPM than the prop, uh, thus giving you another 30 horsepower. So that would be
1: 175 horsepower. 75 horsepower.
2: Very mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, the... Uh, the and 172s at the time had the six cylinder Continental O300 engine uh, producing 145 horsepower. Uh, with the gearbox, this became the, the GO300 engine. Uh, still six cylinders, still made by, by Continental, and uh, this it, it was able to turn 175 horsepower. Ooh, very so nice. Yeah. yeah, it basically gives you another uh, five to 10 knots of airspeed and 150 pounds useful load uh, over the stock 172 of the day.
0: And you get the privilege of flying that around the, the, the area to promote the raffle, is that right?
2: I do. I get uh, pretty lucky to, uh, enough to be able to do that. Um, I'm f- one of a few, several pilots that, that volunteer at the museum, and uh, there's two of us mainly that, that uh, handle the, the flying duties to bring the plane to different uh, locations to sell raffle tickets. Uh, myself and the other one is, uh, is Blair McFarland. He's another uh, private pilot that volunteers at the museum. Yeah, basically, I booked the the appearances, and then either Blair or I or our museum president or our chief pilot will fly the plane to the event to uh, sell raffle tickets. And it's been a a great thing. And first of all, it's it's an excellent fundraiser for the museum. Um, It's actually contributed quite a bit to our annual budget. And then uh, also, it, it helps really to raise the awareness of the museum and the things we do. Because along with it, of course, we also bring different flyers and, and advertise the events and, and the museum itself.
0: Well, that's really cool. What was the the last plane? Did you have the chance to fly that much as well?
2: The last two planes, the first one we did was a 1947 Cessna 140, which is a little tail dragger, two-seater. And uh, I don't have a tailwind endorsement, so I did not get the pleasure of flying that one. Plus, I don't think uh, you could have fit much more than myself in that plane, <laughs> <laughs> uh, being a larger person. Uh, the last plane that we had was a 1957 Cessna 172. So that was uh, one of the uh, kind of one of the first 172s in the first couple of years there and it did have the uh, Continental O300 engine in it. Uh, and that was a great plane too. We flew that uh, all over the place, uh, all over you know, Eastern and, and southeast, southeast Texas to uh, sell raffle tickets. Uh, and that went to a local CFI uh in here in houston last year when we drew the name and and uh he uh has been enjoying that he's upgraded it a little bit made it ifr capable and uh he's actually brought it back to the museum a couple of times to put on display for our monthly events cool oh, well hmm well, when i win the next one then i'll i'll bring it back that's <laughs> cool so come on down to houston anytime <laughs> <laughs> well, Stu, uh, CFI's have uh, pretty good luck, so uh, you should get yourself a ticket there. I, you know what I may, it just may do that. This plane, though, uh, we really lucked upon when we uh, looked upon this one when we found it. It's um, it's a complete gem. I mean. Uh, I, I've taken it to a couple fly-ins, and my first question to ask uh, to ask people when they come out to look at it is, what year would you think this is? And people are are guessing 2003, 2004 era, and it's they're surprised as anything when they find out it's a 1958. Um, it features an all-leather interior. It's a fully IFR-certified panel with a, um, the dual uh, King KX-155 radios, the NavComs. Um, dual I, uh localizer and ILS with glide slope. It's got the uh, alternator conversion and the uh, and the vacuum pump conversion, so it's, it uses doesn't have a venturi tube like the uh, the original ones did at the time. And uh, features a lot of great custom detail work inside the cabin too. So um, beautiful, beautiful plane.
0: How did the the uh, museum come to acquire? Did they just look through the, the commercial markets and try to find a, a good fit every year?
2: Actually that's exactly what we do uh, scour the, uh, the commercial markets you know barnstormers and uh, trade a plane and all the uh, you know regular avenues you use to find aircraft and find one that kind of suits our mission and suits our budget and uh, and kind of negotiate and, and, and purchase the aircraft like any uh, private owner would. that's a great deal and uh, you know it's a great like I say publicity tool for the museum it's a great fundraising for the museum and uh, all the money that people uh, give us for the tickets, that, that all goes to support a great cause of the continued uh, restoration and operation of the museum. And, you know, you can win an airplane. So what's, what's better? Now, to get a raffle ticket, what do we need to do? Well, there's a couple ways to do that. You can uh, come see us in person at one of the events that we go to, or you can come to one of our Wings and Wheels fence or stop by the museum any other time. Um, the museum is actually open from... Uh, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Tuesday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. on Sundays. Or just give us a call. Uh, The number is 713-454-1940. And we'll be glad to take your information over the phone and send you a ticket in the mail. And just use a credit card? Yeah, credit card over the phone is great. um, Or you can mail us a check, and we'll mail you a ticket after we get the check, however you want to do it. And uh, we'll be glad to to help you out with that. And you can... um, Get the tickets from anywhere in the country or actually anywhere in the world. We have people from Australia that have bought tickets in the past and people in Europe. Um, Basically, the the raffle itself takes place in Texas, and so we're governed by Texas laws. So uh, just kind of check with your area to see uh, what the legalities are there. But uh, typically, as far as we're concerned, the raffle is taking place in Texas. So uh, you're welcome to get a ticket anywhere you are.
0: Now, in the museum, are there uh, any aircraft on the the static display there year-round, or is it primarily just the terminal itself?
2: Well, yes and no. Um, The terminal itself is the primary draw of the museum on a regular day-to-day basis. We don't have any aircraft on display in the the museum itself, um, because it's just a terminal building. We do have a lot of airline and civil aviation memorabilia uh, throughout history on display, though. So we have... Lots lot of things from uh, Pan Am and Trans-Texas Airways slash Texas International, uh, a lot of Southwest Airlines, um, and, and, and some of the other airlines that are no longer with us, like Eastern and Braniff and, and, and so on and so forth. So that's, that's what's on display full time. We do have a hangar, uh, which actually has a you know, great history unto itself. It was uh, the original headquarters for Eastern Airlines back in the day. Um, but in the hangar, we uh, own a 1942 Lockheed Lodestar, which is a uh, business prop liner of the day. And uh, we bring that out uh, to put on static display during our Wings and Wheels events. We also have a 1958 Sikorsky S-58 helicopter, a, a giant helicopter with a uh, radial piston engine in it. Uh, it's actually, ironically, not the same engine that's on the Lodestar. And then, um, what else do we have over there? On loan to us, we have a Cessna Bobcat, which I believe is the UC-71, the Bamboo Bomber. I think that's pretty much it uh, as far as, as our aircraft to display. We have a couple of restoration jobs that we're going to restore to static display condition. We have a, the Cessna Cardinal, um, an old uh, simulator that we're going to put on display. And also, uh, speaking of simulators, we actually have a uh, Southwest Airlines 737-200 simulator. Um, uh, donated by Southwest, and also we're going to be obtaining in the near future a, a couple of simulators from uh, Flight Safety International. So mm. those will all be on display in probably the next uh, several months here sometime. That's one of our goals for this year is to get the uh, hangar in a display-worthy condition.
0: Will the simulators be in working condition, or will they primarily just be static?
2: Yeah, we're going to have them lit up, but we are not going to hook up the hydraulics to them. Oh, darn. We'll still have them lit up so you could take and and possibly get in and fly around, but you're not going to go anywhere but, besides sitting on the ground there. It's just uh, it's just too cost prohibitive and maintenance prohibitive to um, get the hydraulics uh, systems in place and also to keep them functional and, and the power necessary to keep them functional.
1: It'd still be pretty fun, though. I mean, you don't need hydraulics for for that. I've I've personally been in one of those. Uh, I've been in a Gulfstream one. And uh, it still made me pretty sick without the hydraulics working. So, <laughs>
2: uh, I got about a half hour time in a seven thirty-seven eight hundred full motion sim with the hydraulics, and and I mean I was just amazed at how real it felt to actually flying an airplane. Yes, yes.
0: Well, the only sounds like the only thing you really need to complete the the picture is like a DC three on the ramp out front.
2: Well, you know we're, we're looking into that, but no promises yet. <laughs> Yeah, we we've thought of that. We've, that's been suggested to us a few times, and and uh, no solid plans in place, but uh, we'll see what the future holds. <laughs> never say never. You have an event every
0: month, the Wing and Wheels, where you actually invite people to fly in as well as to drive in for the, uh, mm-hmm. the event. What is it like flying into Hobby? That's a Class B next to Intercontinental, which I know is a very busy airport.
2: Surprisingly easy. The, we are very blessed here in the Houston area to have fantastic approach controllers and fantastic power controllers at Hobby Airport. Um, I've never been denied a Class B clearance anytime I wanted it, even I've, I've been given one when I didn't ask for it. <laughs> uh, we come in, to, in and around the Houston area, leaving Sugar Land or West Houston or anywhere else to fly out of. Yeah, just come on in. If you're on flight following and you tell them they know where you're going, they'll generally give you the, the, the Class B clearance before you uh, ask for it. And, um, you know, depends on what type of aircraft you're in. We've had everything from J3 Cubs. Uh, we actually had a Taylor Craft a few months ago with no electrical system whatsoever uh, fly into Hobby. He, uh, <laughs> yeah, he called the tower ahead of time and coordinated with them. And they told him, OK, you know, make, this, uh, make a left traffic pattern for this runway. Look for the light. If you get a red light, just circle once. If you uh, get a green light, come on and land.
1: Do yeah, you hope he had a mode C transponder and everything, too? They did
2: not. No. Man. no electrical system at all. Uh, and the, uh, the ignition cables, I mean, he's got the original everything on that plane. So the ignition cables aren't shielded. So he can't use a handheld radio. <laughs> <laughs> but This was he, he called the tower. You know, he called us and we called the tower for him and said, hey, would you be willing to work with this guy? And they said, sure. Just have him call us and coordinate things. So he called before we left the ground and, and they coordinated with him. and They told him what headings to fly and where, like, what pattern he's going to do. So they knew what he was doing. And uh, gave them the light guns to get in and out.
0: That sounds cool. I've flown into Houston uh, several times, but primarily up in the north uh, for Hooks and for uh, Conroe. Mm-hmm. And while the the tower controller at Hooks was was terrific to work with, it seemed like the approach guys were just so busy they really didn't want to bother with the little little planes.
2: And that side of town, depends on which uh, approach sector you get into. Um, that you get uh, some guys that are really busy. Some guys are having uh, pretty slow days. Uh, I know the the main approach frequency on the west side of town is one twenty three point eight, and I, I was privileged enough to, uh, to take uh, a class up to um, up to the uh, tricon one day and, and got a tour there. And basically, that sector handles uh, four or five airports on the west side of town. Uh, so that handles everything from, you know, just just uh, west of downtown all the way out to almost as far as Brenham, which is a, a distance of a good, you know, 60, 70 miles or more. Hmm. And so that's a really big sector. And there's about four or five airports in that area that that planes are coming and coming and going from. So some have to talk to them, some don't. And, and so they get their hands full pretty quick on a nice day.
0: Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the uh, the guys at Hooks. They seemed to have a good time when they were they were in, even with a fairly busy uh, pattern.
2: Yeah, that tower is great. Uh, they do a lot of training in that tower too, from what I understand. So, some, you know, it depends on the day, but sometimes you get a good ones, sometimes you get some ones that need a little improvement. But um,
0: <laughs>
2: I've never had a real problems trying to get in or out of there.
0: I have heard that the hobby guys are are just great work, to work with as well.
2: Hobby guys are fantastic. I mean, you'll get vectored around a little bit, but. Um, As long as you sound like you know what you're doing on the radio and you uh, follow their directions, follow their headings, they'll tell you, they'll just bring you right in and work in with the traffic and uh, we always tell people when they're coming to the museum, since we're located on the west side of the airport, we're right next to Runway 1735 which is not used by the airlines at all Um, and so if you're coming into the museum and the conditions permit, uh, we recommend that you request that runway and then they'll they'll generally try to accommodate you, especially when you tell them that you're parking at the museum. And uh, that way you can stay out of each other's way. I've flown uh, the 175 and the previous 172 in there on several occasions, plus a, plus a couple of rentals. I've flown in there a couple of times for Wings and Wheels events and never had a problem.
0: Now, is the, the 175,
2: is it hangered there during the year? Yes, it is hangered at, at our hangar at Hobby Airport, um, primarily throughout the year. Sometimes we'll keep it at uh, Hooks Airport, depends on, on the uh, the time of day when we get back to town. and and where it came from and what who's taking it next but uh well uh we generally keep it at Hobby. Do you consider Hobby your home airport? Mhm. Yeah, Hobby's uh pretty much the primary airport I fly out of now since uh now really uh, the budget committee hasn't approved many rentals lately. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've got one of those uh, too. <laughs> yeah. So uh, until the budget committee uh, loosens up the, the, the change purse a little bit, I'll be, uh, that's where I do most of my flying is taking the graphic plane to different places and uh, flying in and out of the airport, which is just a lot of fun. I, I like that airport a lot.
0: Well, it sounds like <laughs> a great gig to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it does. Now, you mentioned you're a teacher. You're an advanced ground instructor. Is that right?
2: Yes, I am. Uh, I teach uh, for the Flying Tigers Flight School. Uh, which is used to be at uh, Hobby Airport, but then they've uh, since moved to Ellington Field uh, down on the south side of town, and they have a a good gig, too, where they they contract with Lee College. It's community college out in Baytown, Texas, uh, to teach their aviation classes, so uh, I got my uh, advanced ground instructor rating and was able to uh, get hired by the flight school to teach some of those aviation classes, so... Uh, they basically pay me to talk about flying for three hours a week, so I, I don't turn them down.
0: <laughs> How do you manage to get these deals?
2: <laughs> it helps to not have a lot of shame. <laughs> so, constantly, uh, you know, hanging around, just being in the right place at the right time, asking people questions. I mean, with, these, with all the raffle playing, uh appearances and also all the, uh, all the people that come into our Wings and Wheels events, they basically would tap in because I asked. And or someone from our organization asks, uh, you know, a lot of these we go to a lot of fly-ins and a lot of air shows where these things are sometimes fundraisers for the Toast organization. And they're kind enough to waive any uh, vendors fees for us because we're a nonprofit and because I ask. So you know, it basically you kind of make your own opportunities.
0: So how often do you get to fly uh, 79 Bravo to one of the events?
2: I actually haven't been able to fly uh, for a couple of months. I've had a lot of schedule conflicts lately, but do um, we try to get her to an event till almost every weekend? So we uh, either Blair or myself, we'll start we'll, taking her somewhere all the time. We don't have any appearances booked until the first weekend of February, where I believe we'll be going to uh, LaGrange for their uh, EAA's monthly barbecue out there.
0: Ooh. Well, is it's sounds- and wheels every third Saturday. Is that the, the schedule?
2: That's correct. Uh, the third Saturday every month is Wings and Wheels, and each month has a different theme to it. And so, I mean, we welcome any aircraft, any time. So if you have an aircraft you want to fly in, by all means, please do so. Don't wait for one that fits the you where know, your aircraft fits the theme. But um, just to give uh, you know, primarily the non flying public a little bit of a thrill, we, we try to bring a specialty aircraft each month. And uh, the one this coming Saturday, which uh, I'm not sure when this podcast is going to come out, but uh, I'll say it anyway. But the, this Saturday is going to be our Choppers and Choppers event, which features helicopters and motorcycles. <laughs>
1: <Yep>.
2: <laughs> I like that. Yep. So we have uh, we have life flight planning on coming. We have the U.S. Coast Guard's going to bring send a helicopter over. Um, we have a helicopter operator coming in to hop rides. So uh, I believe it's going to be twenty five dollars for a quick hop around the pattern at a Hobby. And what what kind of what kind of helicopter is he bringing in for that? I believe it's an MD five hundred. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a local operator here in Houston that they, they do tours and rides frequently. And as a promotional thing, they're, they're doing the hops around the patch for, for 25 bucks. So that would be a very good one for, if you guys want to come in and do that. Um, I think the Houston Police Department might be sending a helicopter over. So we have a few other irons in the fire for that. But uh, no, no, there a few other confirmations that I can't recall off the top of my head. But uh, it would be a great event. Plus, the uh, BMW Motorcycle Club is planning on coming for the chopper side of things. For, the, for that side of things so it'll be a good event all around uh the one in february is going to be our business aviation day where we're going to have a variety of uh business aircraft um we're supposed to get um in addition to our lockheed lodestar i think do we have a gulf coming in uh, maybe two we have a couple citations that generally show up so um that'll be a good one too if you like the business jets and then the one in March is going to be a good one. And this is great for those who are, are uh, wanting to learn to fly. It's going to be our uh, Cessna Day slash uh, Learn to Fly Day, or Let's Go Flying Day is what it's called. And so if you're interested in learning to fly, we're going to have a variety of flight schools, both uh, fixed-wing and helicopter flight schools coming in, um, as well as uh, we're inviting anybody who has a Cessna to come in as well, uh, since that's one of the more popular training aircraft, Um people uh, bring those in and kind of show those off too and I think we're having a Cessna dealer here with bringing a new Cessna as well
1: cool very nice yeah
2: Yeah. so that's uh, for more information on on those things they can always visit our website uh, which I guess we'll put in the show notes but it's going to be www.1940airterminal.org so www.1940airterminal.org and uh, under the events just go to Wings and Wheels and um, you'll be able to see all the uh, different things we have planned for the coming months
0: now, do they have the citation rides for $25 as
2: well? <laughs> Don't I wish. <laughs> no, I'm afraid not. Uh, couldn't, couldn't swing that one, too. I asked, but uh, the, the answer that was a resounding no. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, actually, the helicopter operator came to us and, and offered that, and that was uh, kind of a pleasant surprise and a, a great thing, too. Yeah, that is pretty cool. To come down for the
0: the, uh, the Wings and Wheels events, do those generally run uh, all day long or are they primarily in the mornings?
2: Yeah, the Wings and Wheels events go generally from 10 o'clock in the morning until 5 p.m. Um, and you can come and go anytime during that, that uh, the day. Um, for the helicopter days, if you want to fly in your own helicopter, you're welcome. We ask that you try to show up before 10 o'clock to minimize the uh, rotors spinning on the ramp during uh, the time the public's out there. Um, but, yeah, you're welcome to come and go anytime. We have marshals out there ready to guide you into a parking spot. And... Um, any, but the general admission for people who drive in is, uh, $10 for adults and $5 for kids. That includes access to the museum, the static aircraft and vehicle displays, and also lunch. And, uh, the good news is, is we waive the admission for anybody who flies in. Well, there you go. So what do, would that next do? time you're working on, you need to do your uh, commercial cross country. You just come on down to Houston. We'll give you a free lunch.
1: I know. I, well, I'll take you up on that. I'll just skip by hooks and go right to hobby. <laughs> yep.
2: No, it's great and it, it's good practice too and it's it's uh working with the controllers and working with uh the, the the tower here at hobby it's just great time and um if uh, we do have information on our website too uh some with some tips on flying into uh, hobby airport also if people are coming from outside the area into the Houston class bravo uh there's another local website which i'm involved with called houstonpilots.net and uh, on that, we have a, a kind of a white paper, for lack of a better term, for, um, you know, working with the controllers and flying into and around the Houston-class Bravo airspace.
1: Yeah, that's going to be very important. <laughs> if it's anything like the DFW Bravo, it's not going to be easy.
2: Uh, it's actually much simpler than the DFW Bravo, even though we're, we're kind of similar situated where we have two big Class B airports. Um, yours are oriented east-west, where ours is our north-south. Um, we're fortunate enough to have a corridor right down the middle between the two. Ah, oh, that is good. Yep. So if you stay below two thousand feet, you can just stay right along I ten as you go through down through downtown, and, and I'll have to talk to anybody. Not necessarily a good idea, but uh, you, you can legally do so. But uh, generally, I mean, people jump on with with approach, and they'll they'll clear you in the clouds, Bravo up to up to twenty five hundred going through there, and they'll they'll give you traffic advisories as you go through.
1: That's good. Now,
0: the raffle plane, when is the, the drawing on that for this this year's raffle?
2: The drawing for this year's raffle is scheduled for I believe it's July 17th, which is going to be the uh, Wings and Wheels for our the uh, for the month of July. Unless we sell out all 2500 tickets beforehand in which we'll we'll give we'll give it away the next Wings and Wheels after that happens.
0: So, if you don't sell out then when I win the plane, I can fly that up to Oshkosh then
2: absolutely that'll work yeah, out great just in time just in time for oshkosh
0: that sounds terrific
2: <laughs> yeah that's a great thing and, and uh it's a great cross-country machine too so it'll it'll be a good ride up to oshkosh so lots of fun i'm sure uh, Stu would be glad to come down and get you checked out on it too oh yeah well uh, he can fly it
1: I, i'm pretty sure Stuart, you can fly that beast can't you oh yeah it, it looks like a lot of fun
2: <laughs> yeah it was kind of interesting adjusting to flying that old. Um, when I did my training, I did it all in N model 172s, which I mean, we're still older than I am, but um, they are, uh, they had the carb heat and but they had the electric flaps and it sat a little lower to the ground. When I transitioned to the 172 we had last year, uh, I had a few adjustments to make because it still had the carb heat, but we had a Johnson bar for the flaps, which actually it turns out I kind of like better. Um, no. And then it's because you, you, your flaps are instantaneous. You don't have to wait for the motor to spin them up and down.
0: Now, the 58's that way, too, isn't it?
2: Yep, the 58-175 is like that as well. Um, the uh, the 172 we had last year, the 57 had a Venturi instead of a vacuum pump. And so it was kind of interesting taxiing around and having your attitude indicator lying on its side until you started rolling down the runway. <laughs> And then it would stabilize as you started rolling down. And that one, you really got the habit of uh, setting your heading indicator to match your compass when you, uh, when you take the runway, because if you didn't, your, your heading indicators way off because it didn't move. I bet that's uh, fun. Yep. And then the, uh, the, the 172 also had a generator instead of an alternator, which meant that you had to keep pretty much all of your electrical equipment off while you were on the ground until you spun the engine up. Interesting. I haven't heard of that. Yep. So, Try to, to minimize electrical load when you're on the ground with the, the generator-driven aircraft because the, the output varies with the engine RPM, as opposed to the alternator, which is a steady stream. More or less. One would hope. <laughs> now, what is the useful load on the the 175? Oh, good question. Uh, the max gross takeoff is 2350 uh, with an empty weight of about 1480, and it holds 34 gallons of fuel. So looking at a useful load, I'm going to say right around 500 pounds without actually doing the math at the moment
0: so that's not a bad lift for uh particularly a plane that category that's been that around that that long
2: no it's really not bad at all that extra 30 horsepower really helps out uh by contrast the 172 from the time had a 2200 pound useful load and so that more limited to you on what you could take with you but we generally just take uh, i mean when i'm flying it since i'm a bigger person I, i it's just myself and one other passenger, and we generally load up the back with um, some folding chairs and some uh, a table and, and a bunch of supplies and stuff for the sale once we get to the location.
0: Any other events on the schedule?
2: Uh, actually, we're coming up to your area here in a few months. Um, in June, we just got this confirmation today, actually. Uh, we are going to be at the Waxahachie Airport uh, for the DFW Summer Balloon Classic, I want to say it's called. Oh, good old Midway Airport. Yeah. Yeah, they have the event there. It's going to be June 11th through 13th, I want to say. Um, it's a big uh, balloon event. Uh, they have a big balloon lift-off Saturday morning. They have an air show Saturday afternoon. Uh, lots of static displays, and uh, we'll be amongst those. And uh, lots of fun for the whole family. So uh, just uh, mark that on your calendar if in, the, in the DFW area. Come out to that. Uh, we're working on different air show appearances and different other things, too. And uh, we usually post those to our museum blog, as well as our Facebook and Twitter feeds, uh, whenever those get confirmed.
0: And what is the uh, the Twitter and the, the Facebook addresses?
2: Well, for Facebook, uh, just kind of search for the 1940 Air Terminal Museum to find our fan page, and you can become our fan on there. We're quickly posting and closing in on a thousand fans, and once we reach that, we're going to have some sort of uh, part of your celebration at the museum. Uh, so more details will be released on that as we get closer. Uh, then uh, for Twitter, we actually have two Twitter feeds. Uh, one is for the museum itself, and that's for uh, the, the the address for that is one nine four zero ATM. So one nine four zero Alpha Tango Mike. Uh, and then the raffle plane has its own uh, Twitter account, and that's its, uh, it's uh, registration number. It's November 9379 or Bravo. So N9379B.
0: And I've noticed that 7-9-Bravo kind of keeps us posted as it's different locations around uh, for different events that we'll get a tweet occasionally that describes that.
2: Yep. Yeah, I uh, actually have that linked up to my cell phone too, so uh, I'm the one who posted the, the, the uh 79Bravo's Twitter feed. So whenever we uh, have events confirmed, we'll take and post that. Then also generally when we get ready to leave uh, Hobby Airport to go to the event, we'll tweet, and we'll tweet on arrival and and tweet when we leave the event itself. So try to do some live tweeting while we're out at these different places.
0: Cool. Great. Now, the dates for the February Wings and Wheels is when?
2: Uh, February 20th. And then in March it's... 20th as well. Yeah, we have February the 20th, March the 20th, and then April... Ooh, I think it's the
0: seventeenth. Now, one of the key questions I know the Stu's got for the events is who's who makes lunch and what is
1: it? Mm-hmm, exactly.
2: Well, typically, uh, we just grill some hot dogs and we have chips and, and soft drinks and, and cookies available to everybody. Uh, occasionally, though, we'll get someone to sponsor our Wings and Wheels events. Which, by the way, we do. Uh, we're looking for anybody who's looking for sponsorship or advertising opportunity. Uh, and w- with their sponsorship, we'll bring in uh, something else for lunch. So uh, back in November for our veterans uh, fly in, we were uh, sponsored by uh vocal Smith Barney Financial Group. And we had uh, barbecue brisket sandwiches for everybody that day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Wings and Wheels is a fundraiser, and so the emission, you know, covers lunch costs, but also, you know, it's just to designed to make a little bit of money for the museum as well. So we try to keep costs down by just doing burgers or dogs, but we, we take usually uh, grill those ourselves.
1: There's nothing wrong with burgers and dogs.
2: No. Mm-hmm. I'll t- they're, they're good bird dogs, too, so they, I, I usually have two or three each month.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you said the magic word,
1: cookies, too.
2: Yeah, yes. cookies. Yep. Tricky yeah. chips, soft drinks. So, Now,
1: are we talking just sugar or is this like chocolate chip? and?
2: No, I think it's like the, pretty much the, the Otis Spunkmeyer prepackaged. You know, we have the chocolate, chocolate chip and the oatmeal and uh, a couple other varieties as well, typically.
1: So, Stuart, I'm imagining that you're checking right now to see if the Cardinal's available.
2: <laughs> we got it booked. <laughs> Excellent. Fantastic. Well, that'd be great, guys. Look forward to having you down here meeting you guys in person.
0: That'd be a lot of fun. We tried to make it uh, a little earlier at some of the air shows up here, and it just never really quite clicked.
2: Yeah, I know we were up at Gainesville last June, which we're going to try to go again this year. That was a great flying for us. Uh, and we were just at um, Spinks Field back in November. That was uh, one of the last flights I actually got to do with 7-on-Bravo was uh, going up to Gainesville and back. And um, that was for the, uh, the Flying Music Fest, which was a, a really a lot of fun. Um, that flying in uh, featured live music all day long uh, Two stages They had an indoor stage and an outdoor stage And that was primarily pilots as musicians too, wasn't it? I, you know, I don't know um, We got there the night before the event And so we get to stay in the same hotel as a lot of them And we had an impromptu jam session In the uh, little breakfast area of the hotel And uh, most of the pilot musicians there I think it's probably a 50-50 As to whether or not they were, uh, if they were pilots or not but they just booked different local bands and different acts, and they had uh, anything you know, like country and bluegrass all the way through to know, rock and roll and a couple of uh, like school kids. Um, uh, there was a kid's play at one point, so it was great. A lot of static displays and, and uh, good music and stuff. The, the unfortunate thing was that the weather was kind of threatening earlier in the morning, and so not a lot of people came in for it. But uh, I'm hoping they uh, decide to go ahead and do it again this next year and then to get a better turnout. It was a really great event.
0: Are you accepting invitations to other events this year?
2: Yeah, and if people have uh, flying events that would like us to bring their raffle plane to, we generally try to keep it within 200 to 250 miles of hobby. Uh, but um, if you have an event you'd like us to bring it to, we'll, we'll do fly-ins, we'll do air shows, we'll do you know, anything where there's going to be a bunch of people. And uh, just go ahead and send me an email. And uh, my email address is going to be pj.gustafson. That's Golf Uniform Sierra, Tango Alpha Fox, Sierra Oscar November at 1940airterminal.org.
0: And the website is also 1940airterminal.org, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we've enjoyed having you, and uh, it sounded like a lot of fun, and we definitely need to get down there and uh, take a look at that museum and uh, kick a few tires on some planes.
2: Yeah, well, I really enjoyed being here. Thank you very much for having me. And, uh, yeah, you're welcome to come on in. If people have questions about or, or um, reservations about flying into Hobby, just send us an email. We'll be glad to talk to you about it. Um, check out the, the HoustonPilots.net website and the uh, museum's website to find out more information about it. And uh, yeah, we'll help you out. We'd love to have you, anybody come in.
0: Sounds great. Thanks again.
2: Thank you. Thanks, guys.
0: Have a great night. You too. Thank you for listening to the Pilot's Journey Podcast. We'd love to hear your questions, suggestions, or experiences. And you can reach us at our website, www.pilotsjourneypodcast.com. Or you can leave us voicemail at 469-277-2359. You can also follow me as Pilot Stew, that's S-T-U, on Twitter or MyTransponder.com.
1: And you can reach me on Twitter or MyTransponder as CFISTU, S-T-E-W, And until next time, go fly and enjoy the journey. Please note that this podcast is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your own qualified flight instructor before attempting anything discussed in this podcast.
0: Copyright 2010, Fully Stewed Productions.